Well, welcome back to The 8 News Show, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me today. In this episode, I'm speaking to a journalist um, who spent his life covering subjects such as politics, manufacturing and Aboriginal affairs here in Western Australia. Uh, Jerry Roberts, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Andrew. Thank you for being here. Um, well, we're here today, Jerry, to talk about um, all manner of things, particularly relating to journalism uh, and especially the new phenomenon, uh, the Light Australia magazine that you're very much a part of. And I've just called it magazine. <laughs> Let me start that again, everybody. It's a newspaper and I've got this horrible thing locked into my head where I constantly say uh, magazine, but it's not a magazine at all. It's actually a fully-fledged newspaper, and I'm going to do my very best to stop saying magazine. <laughs> Jerry's laughing. He's already corrected me about 10 times. It's so typical for me here on The 8 News Show to do things like this, so I'm sure anyone that's familiar with my work is very familiar with the mistakes that I make. But, um, Jerry, uh, I'm so pleased to have you here. We've been talking about doing this for some time now, actually. I believe um, about... Six months ago, I first spoke to Dave, um, the man and well, the half of the team that started Light, uh, while I was driving home from Albany about doing something with you guys. And it's taken all this time to finally do it. Mostly my fault, of course. But um, we've got so many things to talk about because this newspaper... Um, has a very bright future already, and we're we're only up to what the fifth edition. The fifth edition came off the presses on Wednesday, so I believe I haven't seen it yet. And the print run was one hundred and fifty thousand, which is a substantial run for any newspaper nowadays. In a in a day where newspapers Indeed. are on a downhill journey they've uh, they're not the power that they used to be because the advertising dollars going on all sorts of directions including on the internet mm. but the newspaper is the oldest part of the media has the longest tradition and for many years including in my lifetime it was the dominant power in media i i'm a i, I don't like being called retired because uh, i'm once you're a journalist, you're always a journalist. You retire when you don't get paid anymore. But when I began my newspaper time, the newspaper industry was vibrant, powerful, wealthy, employed a lot of people, not mm. just in the building, not just reporters and typesetters and printers and advertising staff, but all around the community in transport out there in news agency, the news the news boys in the cities, including in the in the smaller towns and, and in places like Fremantle, were waiting for the lo blocks of the paper to be dropped off, and they'd be out there screaming their heads off. And it was and people at the railway stations and bus stations would be buying their papers to read on the way home. Now they're now they're sitting on the bus, looking, playing with their mobile phones. So yeah, so newspapers are up against it. And uh, the success of the of the paper is is a it's it's fair to say it is a phenomenon. When you think it's really 
only been going since September, October last year. Yeah, and the very special reason for coming back to a newspaper format is really because in the traditional age of digital media, um, everything's so controlled and censored. We've had examples of, a lot of examples, and we probably haven't heard about half of them, where people have been taken off the internet overnight, including the President of the United States. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we could name hundreds of people. I know I could name uh, 10 very significant figures right now. Um, no use doing that because I think it, that anyone who's going to be interested in The Eight News Show will know very much already about that and um, I've spoken about that many times, uh, which which makes um, having a newspaper so unique now, even though it's such an old media format, mm. um, it's really the new media interestingly enough it's it when when i was talking to david just a, a couple of days ago that reminds me i have a t-shirt for you oh yes yeah. how could i forget i'm yeah, looking forward yeah, I, to that well, i don't want to get i should have it on right now yeah gee and uh, he, when he says it can go anywhere the two pallet loads have gone into northern northern new south wales and queensland and 150,000 papers, when we still have to make some inroads into the major cities, Melbourne and Sydney, which is where most Australians live, it just needs uh, some enthusiastic local supporters, which we've picked up in yeah. in Queensland in particular. To and it could become a very major major force. It's... it's uh, and that's, that's from a grassroots beginning in suburban Perth. Yeah, and I was telling you a little earlier off camera that um, a, a dear friend of mine uh, phoned me up uh, just shortly before he began his trip up the coast to go um, see the uh, solar eclipse from Exmouth here in Western Australia. Mm. And he said to me, I'd really like to take some of these light newspapers to drop off at cafes on the way or wherever I wherever I mm. end up. And um, just with a couple of quick phone calls, I was able to pick up 70 editions. Looking at looking at what's happened to our society in a very general sense, we're being destroyed from the top down. Mm-hmm. And we are left with no option other than to rebuild from the bottom up. Yeah. The yeah. rights come from the top down. Yeah. It's, a long, it's a long struggle. That's, I think that's the reality that we're facing up to. Uh, now, if you look back 18 months to our early rallies here in Perth, the ones the one I experienced and, and the one uh, I've spoken to so many people who were in Canberra for the Epic Park uh, um, three, three weeks. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was phenomenal from all accounts. It was bigger than Ben-Hur. It was, it, it was more than a protest. It was an Australian, uh, what would you call it? Michael Griffith calls it a, a birth. It was giving birth. It was a, a that's re- an interesting yeah, way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, and he traces the the origins. And he was there to the shocking display of force by the Victorian police at the shrine, yes. where people were shot with rubber bullets in Australia. Um, mate, uh, that was shocking. But for me, I think um, the the there were two scenes in particular that were uh, very confronting. 
Um, the first was uh, seeing three policemen um, charge at a, a 70-year-old lady and knock her to the ground while the so-called protesters were fleeing from the rubber bullets. But not only did they knock her to the ground, two of them then opened up on her with pepper spray while she's lying on the ground. It was just shocking. And then the other one was um, uh, the police had a man bailed up at a service station um, on the open tarmac of this um, petrol station uh, face down, uh, flogging flogging him in the back with the butt of a shotgun. I don't know if you saw that In one. Australia. In Australia, yeah. And indeed, um, uh, Avi Yemeni from Rebel News has just put up a, a, a short story um, covering uh, a man who uh, was set upon by six police while he was standing there uh, on his own filming them uh, not protesting, not saying anything, but they decided that they were going to arrest him. So six of them came over, slammed him to the ground. He got that many knees in the back, he literally copped a fracture to his spine. And uh, people have to go and watch the article on, on YouTube for themselves, but police were using excuses for what they did because he was standing there filming them whilst wearing glasses. Just profoundly dumb statements like that being used to defend their actions. And the court case currently is only, they've only just, um, um, the the judge in the case has only just cleared him of the charges of um, resisting arrest, which you've only got to watch two seconds of the video and you can tell very straight, very clearly that he was not or, and he did not ever resist arrest. But these are the sort of things that went on in that time. This is in Victoria. In Victoria. Just shocking and disgusting acts by people who are supposed to be there for our safety. The, the unforgivable, well, there are so many unforgivable um, aspects of this. But I think one of the most unforgivable aspects of the leadership shown here by the Premier, Mark McGowan, has been to deliberately divide our society, our families. It's, it's, uh, I, 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 I can't work it out. The, we're not a strong country. We, we've, we've never lived up to being the nation that we should be. And now we're deliberately weakening ourselves. We've weakened our health. We've weakened our morale. We've weakened our economy through this crazy period of the COVID crisis. What's this all about? You know, I, I think the, the – uh, I'm glad you brought up Mark McGowan because um, i got to say the thing that for me that was most confronting uh, – well, yeah, I'd have to think about what was most confronting about Mark McGowan in this situation, but certainly – the blatant use of historical propaganda techniques, this um, labelling people like myself who chose for very good reasons and very well-founded reasons not to take the injection, calling me and others uh, misfits, 
losers, drop kicks, granny killers, um, morons I think he used. Uh, I'm sure I could easily go on um, and I wouldn't be making up the names. He just went for it. And uh, then, uh, which brings us, to, it's a great segue uh, to my fir- the really the first question that I wanted to ask you today was the use of gaslighting that he uh, endeavoured in on a daily basis. In fact, several times a day we were being gaslit by the, um, the data that was provided by the experts and it was all about the experts and the data that we now know for a fact did not exist. Even, even then, from the very outset, and I'm a Luddite, I, every, every man, woman, child and dog has more skill on the internet than I have, but even I had no trouble coming across dozens of authoritative, learned scientists, far more learned than any of our local health officials. Yeah. Who who um, immediately cast doubt on, on the all the on the COVID story. Mm-hmm. To this day I I'm a newspaper reporter of traditional training. Pittman shorthand, interview techniques. I'm going to be giving a lecture on this shortly. I'm looking forward for, to it. For beginners, I'm going to put up a whiteboard and show people how to write a sentence. And I'll talk about interviewing technique, the sort of stuff we're doing now, and, and describe various ways of writing various types of stories, from feature writing to hard news and, yeah. and, and the, some of the toughest assignments. And, and I'll, I'll be repeating some of the... I'll tell the stories about the lectures that I gave the new cub reporters at Newspaper House 50 years ago. Yeah. Some of whom have written books and, and uh, since. And I th- my considered opinion after three years of, of studying the COVID story carefully, I mean, I can't leave it alone. I still can't leave it. I wish I could leave it alone. But this it's is a huge story. story. This is a huge story. I think it's mm. bigger. It is probably the biggest story of all time. Hey, Christians might complain a bit about that, that uh, the, the Good Friday story is, is, uh, is, uh, drowns us all out. But the, I don't want to – we have a lot of devout Christians in the freedom movement. Yeah. But I also want to have lots of Buddhists and atheists and it's not an exclusive club. We, we, must, we must speak for everybody. Vera Sharaf, the Jew, made that point. Yeah. But the – the conclusion I've come to is that the COVID project, I call it, two words I try never to use are pandemic and vaccine. The pandemic was a pandemic of tests and the vaccine, there was never a vaccine. There are injections. But the conclusion I've come to is that the COVID story is going to be like the story of the Kennedy assassination. 60 years ago, was the Kennedy assassination. Today, people are still writing books, still putting forward hypotheses on who did what. And I don't think the four or five primary issues matter. Was there such a thing 
as a COVID, COVID-19, yeah. uh, SARS-CoV-2, yeah. if there was, was, did it start with drunken bats and Randy Pangolins, which is the well, official. We already know that's not. I love the story. Yeah, yeah it was story. a it was a brilliant story. Love the story. Talk about gaslighting. The the yeah. the, the uh, that story always reminded me of the schoolboy who tells the teacher that the dog ate his homework. It's it's imagination. I mean, congratulations to the CIO, whoever it was. I'd love, Gosh. To, I'd love to have some imagination in the stories. But they sold it, it so well, didn't oh, they? Oh, for goodness sake, you'd have to be joking. And yeah. and the the uh, but they stuck to it. Was it a, a laboratory leak? Was it biological warfare by the Americans against the well, Chinese, yes. or by the Chinese against the Americans, or was Ted Steele right from the start? It came down on the fortieth parallel latitude north, and uh, or or was it a coordinated attack against people of the planet? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't matter. That's the point. Yeah, yeah. That's the point. And I've and it worries me that. We'll have this distra- this distraction forevermore. Put all this all this argument. It's like you and your your recent story on the the man overboard. There'll be all this attention paid to these various hypotheses about what the damn thing was, where the real important fact is the use to which this great story was put in a mass injection campaign, and even that. What was in the injections? I I wonder if even that is all that important. There was no quality control in the injections. Where well, we're, I think there's going to be a lot more come out about what was actually in it, and there's a lot of discussion about that. But we, we won't get into that today. And, it's a big but, story. Uh, so, and, and what it, what you keep coming back to is that it's essentially an operation in social control and getting centralized control over every damn thing we do. Yeah, and it's. It's tightening up and it's it's been a success in that regard. Well, look, Jerry, um, I'm just trying to remember the name <laughs> right now, but uh, it's been said over and over again um, from various government sources that um, throughout the world that this was an experiment and indeed we know for a fact that the, the shot was in the experimental phase doesn't matter what manufacturer you're talking about, but it was in the experimental phase. Um, and I think part of what you're talking about is that um, we're only going to continue to find out just how big the experiment was. But I'd suggest to you that um, I think truly what it was was an experiment in social control. Exactly. Uh, and I think they learnt a lot from that. And we failed. As a people, but let's get back to that question of gaslighting because, uh, and you just mentioned the the man overboard story that's hitting the headlines today um, that I mentioned to you earlier. Uh, Isn't it fascinating for anyone who takes any notice um, of the news media, uh, just it's fascinating just how coordinated it is. Today in Australia, every TV news outlet has the same breaking story and the wording used is almost identical in every single case. Uh, And if you go more deeply into this subject matter, you'll find that 
all around, let's just say the Western world at least, and it might not be the man overboard story today, but often the stories are the same all over the world from day to day. And it just goes to show you how planned and coordinated this is. Now, whatever label you want to put on that, some people would call it the New World Order. We don't really want to get into that subject too heavily. But um, there's definitely something going on that's coordinated that was part of this experiment to control the masses. There's a what we're up against too, of course, there's a long history here. The the two dominant politically the most dominant political influences of the last hundred years and certainly the most dominant political influence on today's politicians were Adolf Hitler and Joseph Goebbels. Mm. They were brilliant, let's face it. They were yeah. brilliant. They didn't have television, thank goodness. I mean, imagine if Hitler and Goebbels had enjoyed the services of the ABC and Channel 7. Yeah, well, They wouldn't have needed the Gestapo. They wouldn't have had to fire a shot. But since then, see, there, we're, we're, we're very much in Germany in the 1930s. Uh, the legislation has been put into place. It's, it's, uh, we even have a policeman as the governor of Western Australia. And that's a worry. It's, uh, it's all there. And the, the population's still mostly asleep. But since the 19th, since Hitler and Goebbels, there's been another 80 years and there's been a lot of work by psychologists and psychiatrists building, building on what was already done mm. when Goebbels had it at his disposal. And he was, they were exceptionally brilliant people, those two. Uh, but on top of that, there's been years and years, nearly a century of further progress by professionals, yeah. by psychiatrists, psychologists, and by Madison Avenue, by the advertising on yep. television. And, and the, you get into areas which, of, of the, the subliminal advertising, whether they're advertising cornflakes or... or uh, or, in, or a political election. And it's, it, it's so we're, we're up against some really solid opposition here. I personally, I think the best antidote to it is, is an old-fashioned classical education. I think people should read Shakespeare and listen to Beethoven. That's a, that's a, you know, well, people use their brains. Well, Jerry, I, I, I'd love to agree with you, except for the fact that they're now rewriting Shakespeare Oh, yeah, you, you've seen that latest news. I haven't. No, well, this is making it politically correct, are they? Yes. Well, isn't it disgusting? Absolutely, they are. Yeah. And I mean, we've and, and and anyone who follows current affairs will know that they've um, also just done this to people like Roald Dahl with his children's stories. Yeah, what's wrong with the people? To make them more inclusive. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm sick to death of hearing the word inclusive. Yeah. I really am. Yeah. Uh, you know what I'm also sick to death of? I'm sick to death of being told that um, just because I'm a white male and Australian that I'm racist. It is such a falsehood. Look, I'm sure there are people who are racist out there. Yeah. In fact, I'm not sure I know. But uh, I can tell you for a fact that most of us 
uh, haven't got a racist bone in our bodies. And especially here in Australia, we've all grown up with people of different nationalities, different backgrounds, speak different languages. Um, it's just literally a part of our society. So uh, I, I, I reject that over and over and over again. I'm just sick of hearing about it. But look, that brings us um, back to the, the the thing that I really wanted to get across to people today. Um, we've talked about it twice already. And I think it's so important to understand what gaslighting is. Can you tell me what your definition of gaslighting is? Yeah, look, I I, did, I didn't even know the the uh, origins of it until that recent story in the Light Australia. It's, it goes back to a movie and a, and a play. You might know the story better than I do, but the no, the, the character is is driven. You know, is under constant pressure to uh, to believe that he's not hearing the truth. That he's yeah. I'll, I'll, you you come across with it. Yeah, it's, well, it's, I'm, well, not, I'm not an expert at this. No, here. you're. It, it's really interesting um, because it was only re- through reading the um, well, we've got a new edition of the Light Light Australia mm-hmm. newspaper out right now, but um, uh, I haven't seen that yet. But in the last edition was. Uh, where this um, article about gaslighting mm. came out mm. and they explained that it came from this play that you're talking about. I never knew that. I thought that that was one of these new um, words that had been given to this um, concept of uh, uh, doing one thing and telling telling us also the media does this all day long every day and people like Mark McGowan does this, uh, where you're being told that one thing's happening whilst something else is going on in the background. So I've just punched you in the face, but you didn't, I didn't punch you in the face. I gave you a hug. Stop saying that I punched you in the face. Mm. Um, it's always confusing the situation, telling you that you're delusional for thinking that um, you've been punched in the face. That's the point, yes. Yeah. Trying to make you, uh, trying to make people like us who, who can see that that uh, what's going on, trying to make us think that we're wrong and and, and we're getting it. Yeah, they're, they're right. Yeah, and, and, and I mean it takes a, a fairly um, a wide range of um, situation. I mean it, it takes uh, form in a very wide range of situations. And I think um, just coming back to that story or today's breaking news headline about the man who's fallen overboard from the cruise ship out in the Pacific somewhere. I hope I got that right. I, I really didn't take any notice of it because it's such a load of bullshit. I mean, tragic for the person, tragic for the friends and family. I feel for them, all of that. But um, it's not a breaking headline. I'm sorry. Uh, what's a breaking headline is the um, the, the, the daily uh, – eroding of our societal infrastructures, histories um, and our freedoms. And, you know, I've me- I think I've mentioned this on, on a previous episode. In fact, the episode I did yesterday, uh, the, um, the, the, the new Western power ad that's being played all over YouTube at the moment where it's um, – uh, a, a man, a young man, nice-looking young man in his fishing T-shirt with his fishing rod 
and he rings the doorbell and a lady comes out and it's all, oh, hi, I'm Matthew and I'm just here to install your new smart meter on your home. And it goes into then showing him, the next scene shows him in his Western Power uniform and it's all about, uh, you know, Matthew's a, a nice young man. He's just like you. He could be your neighbour. Be nice to Matthew. Um He's a friendly guy. He's just here to install your smart meter. Nothing to worry about. Stand down. Be calm. It's all okay. But the truth is is that the smart meter is um, monitoring everything you do in your home. You know, uh, uh, it's the beginning of the physical control set that they've initiated through things like the COVID pandemic and and all the social um, engineering that's been done around that through the use of techniques like, um, you know, propaganda techniques and uh, gaslighting that we've just spoken about um, to uh, dull us into just accepting uh, this uh, full-spectrum dominance that's going on. And I, I say full-spectrum dominance because... Um, we're rapidly heading into what I think, I mean, not to disagree with you, I think the COVID story is or the pandemic story is um, going to go on like what, the Watergate story or like the assassination of um, uh, John F. Kennedy. It'll go on for decades but I think that it's only just the very beginning of our new history. I was trying to work out Why? Why, why this social control? And I, I was thinking in terms of, of uh, were we being prepared for nuclear war? Why, why, why are we kept, why is there this desire to have such total control over us? Maybe, I, I haven't worked it out, but I, I just know that we have to fight it, of course. We have to resist, yeah. and we had to resist it from the start. And we should never have gone along with, with this nonsense. Remember when people were using their smartphones to... Scan the QR to, to code. Get, to get into a building or this sort uh, yeah, of stuff. I mean... Uh, the digital gates. Oh, The gee. digital gates uh, on society. And so we had shop assistants acting like sort of junior... Yeah, Nazis. Gestapo. Yeah. You know, just, just kids. Yep. There were, at one stage, I think university students were recruited to be volunteers to go... And, and check, just to sort of help out to check that people were ha- having their passports and so on. And so they were a sort of Hitler youth. Uh, mate, it was, it was incredible. I'll, I'll tell you a story. Uh, look, uh, like it all or lump it, I, uh, when it comes to doing creative things like doing this sort of work, I use Apple products um, and I needed to get a component. Uh, I think it was just a keyboard actually. Uh, for for my computer, and so I went to the store, to the Apple store in a, in a local shopping centre here, and the um, even though the masks, the whole mask thing had been dropped, uh, they still had that firmly in place for the Apple stores. So what I did was I went up to the little gatekeepers at the front where they, they had their QR code and they had their Gestapo agent and their little orderly line 
you know, mm. like cattle, the cattle pen to let people in. And I got to the front of the queue and I said, look, I, I'm not going to come in. I, I don't need to come in. I, I'm, I'm not going to wear your mask. Um, but I would like to purchase something, something from the store. I know exactly what it is I'd like. Could you get one of your salespeople to just bring it out and I'll just scan the card and leave? And the person, the young person just said to me, why? What's wrong with you? Kind of kind of thing. And I said, look, I don't want to get into it with you, mate, but I'm happy to pay for the product. So <laughs> scurried away and spoke to the manager, the store manager or whoever it was he spoke to, it looked like the manager, and they looked over at me and then the person returned and said, sorry, we're not going to serve you today. It's Unbelievable. Em- it's embarrassing, isn't it? And you know what I said? I said, well, thank you so much. <coughs> Um, there's a store just down the aisle who will serve me, so I'll take my business business there. Thank you very much. Um, and I'll never be back to this store ever again. Uh, and it breaks my heart that things like that happen, but um, that just goes to show you the power of this full-spectrum dominance, this propaganda gaslighting <laughs> technique. It shows us, unfortunately, how easy it was for Adolf Hitler to poison Germans against the Jews. Mm-hmm. And we see these ignorant, pig ignorant newsreaders spitting out the words anti-vaxxer. Yeah. And we're still seeing the fifth injection being advertised. Yeah. So that's being paid for out of the public purse, I presume, these, the, 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 this is one of the problems actually in the media is that a lot of the television stations and the media generally depend for quite a lot of their revenue on government advertising mm. from various levels. Full page advertisements in the West Australian from various government... In fact, that's what governments mostly do now. Instead of actually providing any service, they they run a series of advertising things mm-hmm. saying, you know, eat more vegetables or be careful crossing the road or the latest one is that the police are more of these fright and scare advi- uh, campaigns to on drink driving and all this sort of stuff. That's all a lot of money going and a huge amount of money being spent on television advertising by government. It's your money, it's our money. Exactly. Um, well, look, I do want to mention, look what they did to Kelly J. Keane, who was just out here in the in Australia doing the tour of Australia mm. and New Zealand, um, mm. otherwise known as Posey Parker. Um, simply a woman wanting to speak about women's issues uh, and the concerns that um, they have with... Um, men dressed up as women going into women's sports and women's bathrooms, which uh, I, I'm shocked that we're even having that conversation. But uh, that's all she's speaking about. I was fortunate to um, spend a few minutes speaking to her and I did do an interview. I haven't done anything with the footage. Um, that is going to be incorporated into my next video when I attend the upcoming Freedom Rally in Western Australia. I already got a plan for that. 
Again, anyone who's wondering why I haven't used that or some other footage that I've taken in the past, which is pretty good stuff, uh, literally it just comes down to burnout, everyone. I, I just, I've taken a couple of months off and um, I, I, I regret that, but at the same time it just had to happen. But um, they labelled Kelly J as anti-LGPQ, whatever their mm. wheelbarrow name that they've got for them. Um, for this movement that um, is just utterly ridiculous. I mean, uh, got no problem with people that want to dress up. If you're a bloke and you want to dress up a woman, fine, but just stop telling me about it. I don't care. Go about your own business. I'll mind mine if you mind yours kind of thing. I'm not threatening you. And yet the news media all over Australia, and particularly in New Zealand, were just virile against her. Oh yeah, I I went there. I was there at that. Oh yes, you were. House rally. Yeah, I, I was curious. I, we walked up from from our daily protest at Government House. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we're which on, we can speak speak yeah, about. Yeah, you know, that's where it all started, as far as the newspaper is concerned, too. Of course. But well, that's the, what we're going to get into that. But yeah. the the uh, so I was curious about. It. I didn't know anything about it. I, I haven't been paying much attention. And I've uh, I'm favourably disposed towards this whole LGBTQI thing, in as much as I want everybody on our side, on the freedom side. Mm-hmm. I want everybody backing the the freedom movement for civil liberties, for the most basic civil liberties of all. I agree. Which is which starts with the freedom over our bony the. the the basic ethics of the medical profession that have been broken, mm-hmm. which are do no harm and informed consent, that, that we don't have stuff shoved into our bodies. Yes. By order of some crazy little Hitler like Mark McGowan, which is just mm-hmm. insufferable. Yes. It's Agreed. just beyond, beyond belief and it's happened. Mm. So I want, I don't care whether. Uh, put it this way, without that essential freedom, if we permit governments here and elsewhere to retain the power to inject us with the drug of the month, whatever it happens to be, yeah, which out of which various people are interested in making huge amounts of money, unaccountably. It's frightening, Jerry. Our money, your money. Yep. Not accountable at all, tipped by, tipped by billions of dollars into the buckets of multinational pharmaceutical organisations, which are basically organised crime. Absolutely. So, as long as that if governments retain that power, it does, nothing else matters. It doesn't matter. It makes no difference whether your the colour of your skin is brown, pink, or green. It makes no difference whether you're a Roman Catholic or a Scientologist or an atheist. makes no difference if you're a communist, a liberal or a conservative. And it certainly makes no difference whether you're heterosexual, homosexual or transsexual. So I want I want everybody on our side. I want this fundamental liberty. So I was curious to see what this was all about. Yeah. And there was a big – and you've got to hand it to them, the, the, uh, the transsexual – Whatever they are, rent a crowd, outnumbered and out and out shouted yeah. the P 
people on the on Posey Porter's side, uh, who included some of our people, and I was wearing an orange hat. I, I wear a, an orange hat. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of fond of orange, and it's one of those proper hats that that I should have worn when I was younger. I wouldn't have so many skin cancers with with the neck protection and so on. It's a big, big wide hat. Yeah. And I'm such a dill in the city now, having spent most of my sort of half my life in the bush for one reason or another. I don't know why, but but um tends to happen when you're a West Australian, doesn't it? Anyway, yeah. Mm. And ironically, and this is we we might if we get back to the question of race, I've I've spent half my life on Aboriginal communities and so I've uh, and they're some of my best friends, and I have to go north again presently for a mm. for a funeral of one of the great great super grannies. These lovely old women who actually kept the Aboriginal race alive, yeah. raised all the money, raised all the babies while they while they while their mums were getting on the booze in town. But yeah, so so I was I wearing this orange hat, and I I walked around when you were there. You were there with Posey Porter. And I walked around on the other side. Mm. Where amongst the, uh, I was curious to see, and there was there was there were all sorts of people. There were some some serious people from the I know from the LGBTQQI community. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of young people, like kids. There was a kid, by kid I mean students, you know, sort of. Yeah, they were all uni students. Young twenties, yeah. yeah, whatever. There was a couple of older people, but only a couple. Uh, they were, Largely, they're student renter crowd. They've probably been to quite a. They they go along for the fun of it. And one of them had a dog, uh, Rottweiler. And I didn't get too close. He wasn't a very friendly Rottweiler. Yeah, he, Hang on, on our side or no? Their on, side? on this, well, on on the on the uh, on the train crowds. side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there was a man with a couple of. Oh, he's they're, they're my favourite protesters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I, they're Irish. They're, they're Fina and Sayarese. I, yeah, I, I've yeah, met yeah. them. I'll, Good, t- I'll talk about them if we get a chance. Great friend of yeah, mine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Da- that's Dara. Yeah. He, he, they're terrific. Yeah, they that are. was They made my day, the first rally they, I went to. They make me want to have a, 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 get a Rottweiler. Oh, I, I absolutely love them. They're fantastic, mm. aren't they? I went to the Northern Territory with that guy and his dogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, anyway. Terrific people. Yeah. Absolutely. He was. He spent a lot of time out in Harrison Island. That boat. He did. He, yeah, he's. And those dogs, they are the stars of the show. They've got their own. They, <laughs> they're wearing their own party hats. The first time I met them, they had, <laughs> they had tin foil hats on. <laughs> they had their own beach umbrella. Yeah, they, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. they were, they they are the greatest. They're gorgeous. That was that mate. That was one of the best days of my life. That first rally I went to. Mm-hmm. But the getting back to the Parliament House rally on the on the transsexual thing. And uh, he had a he had a sign, this young fellow, saying, "Why are you so obsessed with us?" <laughs> and it was it was a good. I said, "It's a good sign." And <laughs> and he said, uh, he said he warned me about the dog. He said they don't like you people much. Said, they don't like you people much. And I was I was uh, trying to. In- and I think in retrospect, it might have because I was wearing an orange hat, he might have thought I was one of Pauline's people. Oh, one nation. They, they hate it's Pauline. a one nation and and they were there, of course. But Pauline's yeah. onto this issue. She's mm. she loves this sort of thing. And I think there were a few of it, only a handful of of the transsexual community. I just judging on their appearance. Mm. Mm. Um 
But I think it was mostly a sort of rent-a-crowd thing. And I'm afraid I it's, – it's a distraction. I, I it, it worries me. I'm worried that it's a distraction. Same with the voice yeah. being a distraction. Yeah. There may well be – and, I, and I, I might be being a bit too optimistic about it all. Uh, there could well be serious uh, constitutional issues there and so on. I, I don't think it's going to get up. Uh, and I won't be supporting it. I won't be voting for it. But I haven't been sort of buying into the argument. I just want to focus on the central issue of civil liberties. Yes. Which is our, over our own bodies, over our own communities and over our own country, the the campaign to keep us out, to get out of the World Health Organization is something I fully support. Get out of the who. Uh, look, that you, you just, you know, it's really hard having people like you um, to speak with because uh, there are just, I mean, we could literally do three hour, a three-hour conversation and only just touch the surface of it. Um, that's an entirely other conversation and, again, I, I think that's going to be part of this ongoing story and it certainly is part of the um, the social control that we're seeing now. I mean, this idea of having some unelected international organisation that will have complete control over our health system. Mm. And you well, want to talk about New World Order, I mean, there it is right there. Are our, are our doctors so pathetically incompetent that they need a bunch of gangsters in Geneva to tell us there's a health problem and to tell them how to treat their patients? Uh, mate, look, don't get me started on that. Our doctors, certainly the ones that have participated in this situation, um, as far as I'm concerned, sacked a lot of them. Um, they all should be taken to court and thrown in jail. Well, 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 look, let's move on a little bit. What I'd like to ask you, um, we're here really to talk about the Australia, the, the light Australian newspaper. Good man. And um, the wonderful um, success story that it is. What do you think um, set the conditions for such a newspaper to emerge in this um, new age of digital media? Well, I've got to give credit to her. Couple in suburban Perth. We all, we all met up at the government house daily vigil, which has been going since December two thousand and twenty-one. Mm. I've been there since February last year. There's so much to talk about there. Yeah, well, that's that's where we that's where we met, and it's mm. David and Lisa found. I've been making speeches there. Mm-hmm. We we all we were making speeches every day addressing Kim Beasley, the former governor, mm-hmm. giving him a hard time through talking to him through the microphone in, in St George's Terrace at the front gate of Government House. Government House being a historic building and going back to the colonial days, down at the at the Adelaide Terrace end of Government House of uh, St George's Terrace. Pretty building, nice gardens, public building. Personally, I think it should be converted to a, a accommodation for the homeless. I think well, I think the thing is a is a is a dreadful anachronism. The governor can do his official duties in 
in half of Perth's office space, I'm sure, is empty. Mm-hmm. The government could pick up some some office space quite cheaply, I'm sure, and he could do his duties there. But uh, and the nicest thing about Government House is actually Government House Ballroom. It's a beautiful place for music. If you ever get an I've opportunity, never been in there. If you ever get an opportunity to go to a concert at Government House Ballroom, it's it's right. delightful for 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 a, a solo instrumentalist like a guitarist. Right. I took a friend. One of the nicest concerts I've ever been to was with Julian Bream, who plays a lute and a guitar, classical guitar. I don't. He's a he's a pom. And this is classical music, but he. He, would introduce, he introduced each piece. He played the first half with a lute. A lute a, is a, an old instrument with a big bowl. It's a beautiful looking Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, a, it's a, prelim, a sort of. Uh, keep talking, mate. I'm going to just adjust your camera a little bit. I'll yeah. just notice this off, but keep telling me. Yeah, this. okay. And uh, am I sliding down a bit, maybe? And No, I've just noticed that no one so can see your face. It's just a charming, <laughs> charming uh, place for a. For that, for, for 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 intimate music, right? Traditional music. It's a beautiful. It's and that's still used, and it's used for. Uh, it used to be used for debutantes. Remember that sort of stuff that society yeah, yeah. girls used to do with when they were coming out and into society. And I'm sure, I'm sure, acoustically speaking, it sounds beautiful. Yeah, it's just lovely. And, yeah, and yeah. I was there to meet, and we met Prince Charles when. Uh, oh wow! Because. I used to get seconded. I mean, not wow, but uh, sorry. I, uh, I, <laughs> I don't to, mean that, people. <laughs> I used to get seconded to uh, help the Premier's Department when there were royal tours on. It's a very interesting okay. time of that life. That would have been interesting, admittedly, yeah. It's hard to believe. It's a lovely story. But I was actually being lined up to be press secretary to Prince Charles. Oh, This okay. is in the 1970s and I, I put it down to the – to a, I had a beautiful – Reefer jacket, traditional. Jacket, a reefer jacket. A reefer jacket. You know the the, the naval reefer jacket with the brass buttons and so oh, on. I know what you mean. I was just yeah, picking up it, on the word was, reefer, but yes, it was made out of uh, cashmere. It was expensive. Yeah, I can beautiful imagine. thing. Yeah, and it's hard to imagine, but I was, you know, you, I'm sure fine, you looked very dapper, fine, right? fine cut of a young man, yeah. and the same age as Prince <laughs> Charles, and and I'd I, I uh, I'd helped out a lot at these at this royal tour with. Uh, with the with the Queen and the and all the rest of it, when there was a Sir John Kerr was still the Prime Minister, was still the uh, Governor General. Okay, Malcolm Fraser was the Prime Minister. It was soon after the Whitlam dismissal. Kerr, this is the nineteen this is the nineteen seventy seven Jubilee tour of the Queen. So that would have been twenty five years of her yep. reign, right? And she toured Australia, and she was leaving Australia from Perth. Perth Airport. They'd arrived in, in Fremantle Harbour on the on the Royal Britannia. And there was a, a rumour around that Sir John Kerr, who was the most controversial figure, I suppose, in Australian history, was going to resign on that occasion when he, he was in Perth to see off the Queen officially at, at, right. at the, when they got onto the British Overseas Air, um, Airlines plane at, uh, at Perth. Mm-hmm. And when there's a raw tour, all the Fleet Street journalists who specialise in writing about the royal family for all the magazines travel around with the tour, mm. and they're quite a mob. It's, it was a it was a real zoo, and my job was to be along with a couple of other 
government journalists was to sort of uh, chaperone these guys and girls. Right. Who were quite a handful. Uh, and good fun. Yeah, I'm sure uh, you had a great time. Uh, uh, yeah. And at the same time, because of this rumour, all the Canberra press corps were across as well at oh. Perth Airport. And all my colleagues at um, who should have been keeping an eye on this crowd got held up in a in an official thing in, in Government House that day. So the airport was unattended. I, I, I just went and grabbed a government car from the apartment I worked in with a, and I just went I knew where the keys were and took it out there and and I arrived on the scene to sort of save the day on the on the tarmac. This is before all this uh, security stuff, you know. Yeah. We were all out on the tarmac and the Premier was there and the Governor-General and, and this whole zoo wanting to sort of invade the aircraft and I was there to save the day. So, so I was the hero of this royal tour from the, from the point of view of the government press corps. And they decided that I, they must have decided that I looked so good in a reefer jacket, that that I would be the the next press secretary for Prince Charles in in oh wow in 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 the Buckingham Palace, which would have been, and they they didn't know much about my politics at that stage, you see, and I and I was you were a rebel back then as well. Well, no, I was, but I wasn't. Um, I I didn't really want to be. I was never part of the. I was always an anti-establishment sort of character. Mm. But I looked the part, obviously. Always and, important. And I was—I I have a good laugh about it because fancy. This is before print the Diana and all the rest of it. Fancy being Prince Charles' press secretary at the time of, <laughs> of Diana and Camilla and all that stuff. Remember that? Yes, I know. I've you couldn't have a worse job. In t- fancy trying to handle that. So, but it was it was a good laugh. And the—I forget where we were, but we were. You better remind me where were we? I'll go get you. Well, we we've gotten off track a little bit, but that's okay. It's good, it's good fun though. We're allowed to do this on these podcasts, aren't we? Well, yeah, we're able to. I mean, what's and the point of talking to a journalist uh, of my age if I can't tell you a few stories? Absolutely. And look, um, I'll be honest with you. I hope we can do this again because uh, you're such an interesting guy with um, such an interesting history, and uh, someone who we really now need to be. Uh, turning to in this age of, uh, well, again, gaslighting. If you turn on the TV and watch the nightly news, 75% of what you're being told is a lie now. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know how they can do it. I, it, was, it was going on, I suppose, nearly two years ago. But before I came down from the north, I came down from the north in December of 2021. At, at first we had this deadline for people like me. We had until the end of November to get ourselves injected. Oh, or me we, too. Or we had to leave. And it was extended to the end of December. So I left about the mid, mid-December. mid Hang on. When you say come down from the north, what do you mean? Where were you and what were you doing? I, I was in... I was in the what we call the East Pilbara. Yeah, where, you know, the, there's the. You were you working on a mine site? No, no, I was I was in Station Country out at Marble Bar. I've, I, I, we could talk about the mining industry some other time, but I've just by coincidence also I've been involved on all all aspects of the iron ore industry, going back to when I was a 16, 17 year old trades assistant at 
on the King Bay construction site, was now known as Dampier, but <coughs> and I was in the Parliament when when legislation went through, and I worked in the Department of Industrial Development where the agreements were made with the original for the big mining projects, Hamley Iron and, and uh-huh. all the rest of it. And of course, I've been in the Pilbaras for for a long time, for a lifetime, really. But I've I have this. Uh, I've always been interested in the, in this area of what we used to call Aboriginal affairs. We've now it's now been called Indigenous. Uh, that's one of the interesting things about it, the Aboriginal affairs. They, they keep changing the name. Yes, and governments keep changing. Government departments keep changing their uh, names. And, and again, uh, yeah. it's it's to keep up the gaslighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Using yeah. this gaslighting in a sort of general sense. It's, yeah, totally. It, it it confuses people. It, it, it sort of uh, and Sir Humphrey used to uh, mock it in Yes Minister. Oh yeah, it's yeah. a go, it's a, a sort of substitute for achievement. Um, keep, keep changing your name and start a new department. But and Jerry, isn't so much of our <coughs> our government today um, about constantly telling us how they've achieved this and achieved that, when really all they've done is rehash um, comments or or actions from the past which haven't achieved anything and they won't do it this time around either. Uh, it's always, again, this gaslighting technique to qualify them for the job that they do. We, we have governments doing this sort of thing, speaking to journalists, mm. and it's pretty much a closed shop. Is anybody else listening? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think more and more people are switching off. Surely, I think that's. I think that's right. I, I think very much so that people are waking up. I think that um, just going back to the whole pandemic thing. I think that they they made a critical mistake there, um, too much too soon, and um, they 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 exposed themselves to uh, being found out, and um, it's uh, for sure that more and more, I mean, I'm the sort of person who can't help talking about this sort of stuff. Uh, I'm sure my friends and family are sick to death of it, but um, you just can't help it. Once you understand this, you just can't not talk about it. Um, But I know for a fact that people who once never would have spoken about that and, and, and didn't want to talk to me about it at the time now come back to me and go, oh, hey, have you seen that latest article or have you – did you hear about this or send me a video clip that I've probably already seen? That happens a lot. Um, but um, um, isn't that terrible? What, what do you think they're doing there? And so in other words, people are – I hate to use that, the, the cliche or the, the, the people are waking up. I hope so. I hope so. It was – and I thought all along that we were going to need half the population to wake up. I don't think we're anywhere near that. No, we're not. But that's what that's what this newspaper is all about. This the what and what you were doing is all about. We've we've got over the initial hope that by marching in thousands and, and marching around the city and meeting in Forest Chase and, and Forest Place and mm-hmm. and on the Esplanade and uh, in front of Parliament and and Government House. That we would, that we would, uh, that somebody would be listening to us inside. 
that we would have some effect on the establishment, but we've come to this shocking realization that we're up against it. The entire establishment, if you like, the government, the corporates, the the media, the church mm-hmm. all is standing co-opted. firm, mm-hmm. and they're not paying any attention to us at all. And we're now so we've now sort of switched, and this is this is the this is what the paper this is really the the origins of this newspaper, and it's the it's the long term serious work that guys like you are doing. Is that it's just a long hard battle to educate the public mm-hmm. by giving them alternative means of communication. And in the case of uh, a newspaper, the most basic old-fashioned form of mass media there is, been around since the invention of the printing press. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's a realisation that uh, we're not going to do this overnight. We're now facing the the sort of stuff that you're working on yourself, of looking for some models where we can keep this going on a more professional basis. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. I don't want to go into that too much mm. right now. There's, um, uh, I, I guess, I've already apologised to my audience um, a couple of times for not being around for a while, and I probably don't need to do that. But I feel like I'm obligated to now that I've been in this thing for so long, really only a year and a half. But um, uh, I haven't not been doing anything. I've been doing a lot, having a lot of discussions mm. with people and we're doing all kinds of background work to try and figure out how we can move forward and including working with people like yourself with um, this amazing uh, newspaper. Um, we do have to make some changes because, as you're saying, I think you're saying that um, the machine is up and running and – it's it's rolling forward no, whether we like it or not. Um, I guess that's what I was getting at by telling you the story about the Western Power ad that's on um, on YouTube at the moment. Um, uh, the smart cities are well and truly being rolled out now. Um, we've got the digital currencies being well. We're being told that it's coming regardless. I think. And I'm sure a lot of people will agree will agree with me. Um, and anyone who doesn't, if you just stop and think about it for a little bit, having a digital currency is an extremely threatening situation to our civil liberties. If you want to talk about some big threats that are on the horizon, that's one of them. Yes. I mean, you've only got to give people the simple explanation of, let's say, for example, Jerry. Um, uh, it's highly likely that the police will take a disliking to you and um, all of a sudden you've lost all of your income or your or, or your savings um, simply because they can just switch it off. Um, and then if I turn around and try to give you some money so that you can buy food, then I, I'm under threat of having mine switched off as well. Mm. Uh, and whereas if we maintain cash... I could just give you 50 bucks or 100 bucks and you can go and buy yourself some shopping for the week. Mm. Um, but this is the thing I, I urge people to think about. 
we are being um, set up for one gigantic gulag that's just already built and waiting for us to get in there. They're yeah. waiting to put us in there. Yes, and why? This is this is what the this is this goes back the going back to the to my trade to the media. There have always been two views of the general public. There's the Hollywood view, which is most famously put by I think it was um, Metro Golden Wire bloke was it one of those Sam Goldwyn. Now, one okay. of these Hollywood moguls. Mm-hmm. Never, you can never underestimate the intelligence of the general public. Now, that is the view that's adopted by the West Australian and Channel 7. Uh, really? Give, you know, um, give them Ricard on and Susanna Carr spitting out anti vaxxers and, and, uh, oh, okay. Farmer, so. farmer, farmer wants a bride. Just, just, it's 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 the basic understanding is is the Hollywood view that people are stupid, therefore you give them garbage. Now the alternative view is the Scottish Enlightenment, which is that people are stupid because they are fed a load of garbage. But if That's they right. are fed more intelligent information, they are capable of of all sorts of things. Yeah, which is what they want to avoid at all costs. And and you and I despite all the evidence to the contrary, must hang on to this Scottish Enlightenment view that, uh, that the human funny. that the human race is capable of of great things. It doesn't have to be fed a load of garbage every day. I couldn't agree with you more. Mm. Um, you know, and actually, I'm going to struggle have, um, putting this into the terms that I want to put it into, but um, I'll have a crack. Um. Again, getting back to gaslighting, uh, you know, if we want to talk about this idea of making education free and um, giving people real opportunities, um, somehow, if I believe that if society was reorganised in such a way that enabled people to truly flourish... Uh, the benefit to society would be quite profound in a very short time. But instead, when those discussions are being had, it's always co-opted with some um, sideline reason why that can't happen or that would be a failure or that would be unfair or... Uh, and, and, I, and I really wish it, – it's funny how these things come up in these sorts of conversations where this is the sort of thing that I'd really like to articulate but I'd need some time to think about it properly. I don't know if I've gotten my message across there. I just believe that um, – uh, you look at the way um, really life-changing inventions have come about – and they've usually occurred where just all the right ingredients came together that enabled that to happen uh, against all norms. Imagine what would happen if society was ra- arranged in such a way that um, that uh, development was completely enabled. 
And I'm not just talking about technology. I mean, art, literature. Uh, I mean, look at the movies now. I mean, I love sci-fi and things like that. I can't wait for the new June movie to come out. I think it's one of the greatest mm. um, uh, movies, uh, whatever you want to call it, movies that have come out But um, in the recent years. But uh, And there's some really great work out there. But it, generally speaking, it's all about violence mm. and really kind of um, low-brow, low-vibrational messages and it's always riddled with propaganda these days. Mm. Do you know that um, I do want to get onto the kind of the last part of what I wanted to talk to you about but um, I recently just started watching this thing on Netflix about how to become rich and on the, you know, we all need to know about that, Jerry. <laughs> but it was really a bit late for me. A bit late for me as well. But anyway, um, there's some really good messaging in there. But I didn't get too far through it before uh, they were mentioning things like you should invest in companies like BlackRock. And I'm like, whoa, red alert! Oh, dear. Turn it off right now. If anyone doesn't understand what I'm talking about, literally get a hold of um, the light newspaper and read um, the, um, the well, certainly the not the most recent edition, the one before, which is number five, I believe. Um, yeah. No, the, no the, the new one is number five. In, okay, number four. So um, investment firms like Vanguard and BlackRock uh, that uh, control tr- – tens of trillions of dollars of other people's money, but most significantly the ultra elite where that money, that, that, I mean, that is an incredible force is used again to force change in society. It's very, very dangerous. And it's where the Americans have finished up cutting their own throats because the, 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 what they call the fire section of the economy, financial, finance, insurance, uh, real estate, which is non-productive. Mm-hmm. doesn't make anything grow. It doesn't produce any machines. It it's, uh, doesn't make cars. It's, yeah. it's, it's become like a massive cannibal. And, and it's, it's in the meantime, the Chinese are making things happen. They're putting railways yeah. all over Europe. Yeah, and, and and this is something that we need to speak about much more. I think it needs to be spoken about much more um, and uh, it's not because it, it threatens the controlling powers. But this idea of making money out of money, mm. it's that's shocking. I don't know. Um, it, it, anyone listening to this is probably thinking, what the heck is he talking about? Well, I, just, I would say to you, just stop and think about that for a little bit. Um, there are people out there that make millions of dollars a year, if not more, by manipulating other people's money. Mm. It's shocking. They don't produce anything. They don't provide any service. They just uh, manipulate the system that's really sitting there to be manipulated. Getting back to your point there about a, a better better society, just take health, for example. Now, 
billions of dollars of your money, of your viewers' money, are tipped into the coffers of these multinational drug companies yeah. with no accountability. Mm-hmm. Just imagine if those billions of dollars of, of your money were put into projects that create a healthy community, healthy, mm. healthy country, healthy society. You don't get healthy out of a box of tablets or an injection. You get healthy out of healthy food that comes out of good soil yeah. and living well and going easy on the booze and smokes and getting a good night's sleep and not having too much stress in your life. All these things are very basic. And as far as the finances are concerned, you could just imagine, you don't have to imagine actually, it's been calculated, but the billions of dollars that are sucked into the centre in this great vortex, sucked into places like St George's Terrace. Mm-hmm. If those billions of dollars of your money, of the country's money, were instead passed out the other way through smaller banks in suburbs and country towns to provide long-term finance for small business and farms, what a prosperous country we would have. It, know, it really would It's be, been yeah. calculated. Catherine Austin Fitz has done the calculations. Um, she's a very, very interesting lady. Um, I hope uh, people go and look Catherine Austin Fitz up because um, she's a fascinating yeah. woman. And, and she's, she's a banker. And she's a banker and she's very insightful um, on on quite a wide range of situations. Mm. But look, Jerry, we've got to move on. I did want to ask you a little bit about um, the last art- the article that you wrote in the um, fourth edition of the Light newspaper. And I wanted to ask you about it because um, I think a bit of a theme of this podcast is um, about the controls uh, that um, manipulate us into um, going in the direction that the the government and the the powers that be want to drive us in. Um, your article was titled "The Historical Precedents for the New World Order," and I know a lot of people hate to hear that word, and we're not necessarily talking about that, but we are talking about, or the the article is about um, the concept of problem reaction solution i believe that's also known as the helgalian dialectic it's this concept of manipulating um the masses into um calling for a change and then offering the solution that the powers already had waiting for us is it Something you'd like to comment on that, and why? Why is that really the key to this underlying change? That I believe this is the key for all of us to be able to understand what's happening to us and the direction that we're heading in. Yes, I the I be, I began that story. I think I began the the first paragraph of that story by. Uh, I was looking at the current round of uh, we're seeing quite a lot of industrial action by by unions for teachers and nurses, the trade unions and essential services. 
and and uh, traditionally, of course, an, another essential service which where unions had a lot of power was in transport, transport workers' union. Mm. These people do have the ability in a concerted strike action to stop the community, to hold the community to ransom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've been using this power recently to, to push pay claims and, and, and they're getting them. And I asked that where, where, why was this power not used when, these, when this shocking crime against humanity was created? This is a terrible crime against humanity to, to force healthy people, to force any people to be injected with an experimental genetic compound, whatever it was, whatever it was, in order to keep their jobs. The, the, the trade unions and essential services, and I'm talking about fire and emergency, nursing, education, could have stopped this. Any number of people could have stopped this mm-hmm. with old-fashioned solidarity. Yep. And, and uh, well, the doctors should have stopped it, of course. They should never have gone along with it in the first place. And so the question is why? And uh, and the the quote I used there was from Antonio Gramsci. Now this is this is where we run into some of the most interesting issues I'm finding as uh, uh, as a bloke who writes about this sort of stuff and who thinks about it all his life. You'll have so many people say, "Oh, there there are so many uh, prejudices you run against. It's very hard to get people thinking clearly at the on the on the actual issue." Gramsci was a very famous. Italian Marxist, and he spent a lot of time in jail, courtesy of Benito Mussolini in the mm-hmm. 1930s. He spent most of the 1930s in jail. Very interesting writer, and he wrote his prison notebooks in jail. Yeah, and and there you you won't go too far reading about political theory without coming across Gramsci. And to my mind, the fact that he was a Marxist is 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 not relevant to this argument. He, he, uh, the quote that I used there, which was a secondhand quote from the book I was reading at the time, I got one of the one of the really big books called "The Long Twentieth Century" by the Italian economist who was who worked in New York most of his life, Giovanni Arrighi, A double R I G H I, a fellow who looks at. Um, He's, he's not, he, did, he didn't live long enough to see the COVID crisis, but I would love to have seen his analysis of the COVID project, as I like to call it. I see the whole thing as a project, and we've just had the first phase with the medical phase. And the next phase, as you, as you say, that we're really worried about will be with the, with the destruction of the currency and, and the removal of cash and, and having us by the short and curly hairs financially, which is going to make it a whole, a whole hell of a lot tougher. Mm. That's the need, that's why we're fighting for the people to use cash. But uh, Gramsci said in a subtle, beautiful way that, in other words, that that the reason we didn't get this from the unions was because their leadership was bought off. Yeah. And when I wrote this story. Uh, and asked David, I said, it would be nice if you could get a photograph to go with this of Mussolini, the Italian fascist who was 
who's often caricatured, you know, with his El Duce and the hat he wore and so on. And yeah. he came to a sticky end. The partisans got hold of him at the end. And the, so the Italians did get rid of Mussolini. Yes. The Germans didn't get rid of Hitler. The Russians did. Hitler took his life when the Russians came in to... Well, supposedly. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, and it's... When he... Uh, he was he was in very bad shape by the by that stage. Uh, there's the, well, his own people did try to take him out, but um, they failed. A lot of them were still sort of loyal to him. He, he was a remarkable character. He's a brilliant man. But the uh, that's the last time a project of this magnitude fell apart. Mm. Nineteen forty five, when the Russians came into Berlin, and a lot of the bad guys got away to South America. A surprising number got away to South America. They must have had mm. things organised beforehand. Yeah, there's some really interesting histories yeah. there. That's all still being researched. Though. And, and yeah. quite a few of them were hung at Nuremberg, including seven doctors mm. out of 15 or 13 or 14 who were who were convicted of, of crimes against humanity at the Nuremberg trials. And, of course, an awful lot of them under Operation Paperclip just went across and worked for the Americans or were taken away and worked for the um, Russians. Yeah, quite a lot of them. Yeah, and, and, and have maintained an influence to this day through their students. Yeah, and, and I mean, again, this is all still, like like all these other yeah. stories we've talked about, this is something that's going to be continued to be spoken yeah, about for yeah. a long time. Yeah. Anyway, I was very pleased looking through the archives. David found that wonderful photograph yeah. of Benito Mussolini and Adolf Hitler sitting in the back of the open limousines, those beautiful Mercedes-Benz. I think there are probably still some around. They were magnificent cars mm, mm. That, the, uh, that the staff officer used, used for the, the Nazi people, long open carriage Mercedes-Benz. I'd love to have one. Mm. But uh, it'd be just a shot, wouldn't it, to drive around town? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't beat it. Put a keg in the back and we'd have a pay. <laughs> go, for, go for a ride around the suburbs. But, but the... I then sort of concluded that story in, uh, after quoting these very learned scholars mm. in just, in, just in, in very basic down-to-earth language, which I've done again in the fifth story, okay. which, uh, which you'll read shortly when, when the, uh, the, new, the paper that's just come off the presses. But I said, you know, did the people in the World Economic Forum or at Davos or wherever these creeps hang out, did they study this history when they were working out the great economic reset and the COVID project? I'll just keep, I'll keep using that word COVID I, project. I, I refuse to word. Yeah. And I said, you bet they did. Yeah. They knew they knew what they were doing. Well, that, that I mean, these um, these – Techniques go back quite a long way, even into the Roman yeah. era. Mm. Um, they've been refining these techniques for what two thousand years, mm. uh, but it's becoming with this new age of um, full-on media that comes in all forms. That's um, really, it's really coming into its own now, and people are very much manipulated into, uh, well, we've got this problem uh, which is usually created by the government 
Then the yeah. people turn around and go, well, we've got to do something about this. And the government comes back and goes, well, we've got this great news for you. We've come up with this fantastic new solution. And it was really just the next step of the roadmap that they've got us on. Yeah. And all that's happened is we've been manipulating into literally asking for it. And on top of the psychological, they all have the physiological. They've, While they're retaining this freedom to shove anything they like in, into your bloodstream, mm. it's, it, we've got to pull out of it. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fight for survival. It's a fight for humanity. And the, the last interview I've done was with Dr. William Bay in Queensland who's off his own bat is taking this case to the High Court, the, the suspension of the, the power of APRA of, the, of this regulatory agency of the doctors. Mm. And he's, he sees it in religious terms, that it's a, it's a spiritual fight. And mm. I, I personally, I still think it's such a bad idea. The, the putting it into religion, and, and, yeah, and also going no, no, to to destroy the human spirit. I don't think Excellent. it's going to succeed. The human there have been various efforts to succeed to kill the human spirit over the years, going back thousands of years. Well, but the, yeah. but the, the human spirit refuses to die. I don't think it's going to work. But it's a very very dangerous situation we're in at the moment. It's terrible to see these kids being put under pressure. I think the university vice-chancellor should be in the first busload of people that goes to jail. To have students, university students, required to be injected with this stuff mm-hmm. in order to be able to go to their lectures. Now, what sort of start of that is to an academic life where you're supposed to be learning how to think? Um, absolutely. So so it's, it's a very it's, – it's an uphill battle – the message we're getting from people like William Bay and from a terrific young fellow like um, like our own policeman here, Ben Falconer, and from the Another pilot. person I'm supposed to have on the show. Oh, a very fine young man, you know, very he impressive. I, I met him, uh, Lee, Lee Aldersey and I went in. His article was quite quite good in the last... Yes, it's nice to May. see it there. I was um, a bit surprised, I think, but he must have... You know, he's, he's sticking to the law. Yes. He's a man of the law. He's very practical, isn't he? No, but he's he's very principled. You'll you'll always see him wearing a suit and tie, neat and tidy. He's he and there were thirty or so of them, senior constables mostly, the very very people who should be our senior police officers in the future in ten years' time. We will yeah. know. We will we will not restore law and order in Western Australia until Ben Falconer is commissioner of police. And he's still That's an interesting he's idea. still in the fight. He is, yeah. Um, look, I've got a I've spoken to him quite a few times about coming on the show, and it's my fault that he hasn't already been on there. Well, uh, he's got a long way to go yet. Absolutely, and um, not just that. Uh, the story is constantly evolving, slowly, but it's evolving, um, and. I think things happen for a reason when they when they need to happen. So I kind of like tell myself that. <laughs> so that'll happen at some point. But um, look, we could keep talking for a long time. We've we're right on around about a, an hour and a half really? now, which yeah. is where we wanted to get to. Went quickly. 
it does when you put the headphones on and you're in this little bubble of a conversation. Mm. It, it makes it a lot more interesting, doesn't it? Um, is there something that um, you'd like to say in closing? Um, and if not, where do people find the Light Magazine? How do they get in touch? It's I a newspaper. I could, I, I've got to stop saying that. I'm so sorry. Um, that was implanted in my mind a long time ago, right at the beginning. And I don't know why, but it's going to get out of my mind. It is a newspaper. It's a fantastic newspaper. Um, look, to be honest with you, I've only read the most recent or the last edition. Um, the previous editions, I think I did get a copy of one of them and um, somebody snatched it off me and I didn't get to read it. But the fourth edition I've read essentially from cover to, to cover Um I've got to say I'm very, very impressed. Uh, the content was varied and it covered a wide range of not only contemporary news but it did cover the, the big topics. Um, it covered things also like how um, digital bots are used to manipulate us in social media. Mm. I thought that was really good to see that there. Your story was great. Um there, uh, it's just good quality content and it's worth a read. And I can tell you this much, um, if I was to pick up the West Australian and, and, uh, read that to cover and cut co- to cover, uh, it'd take me about five minutes. And, um, the reason it only takes me five minutes is there's only about five minutes worth of valuable content in there. Uh, anyone who picks up the light magazine will know what I'm talking about, that, um, each article is as interesting and it's got thought-provoking content and um, generally speaking, in fact, not generally speaking, it's very well-researched content as well. And I'm looking forward to seeing the next one. Uh, where do people find – how do people make contact with the, the organisers of the newspaper because – we very much, as you've already mentioned, we, we really need the community to participate in in this exercise of freedom of speech. It's really what it is. Mm. Um, how do they make content, uh, contact, sorry, um, is there a website? I'm pretty sure there is. Yes, the website is, is there, the, the light Australia. .com.au. It and it's, it's it, yes, it's, it's there in the paper. It's, I'll put that in the description. It's, of, it's very easy to find. And you can download the papers there. They're, the inquiries are just pouring in. People wanting uh, wanting copies, people wanting to participate. Volunteer. We've we've had recently there'll, there'll be, uh, I think we'll get her to work first, a very top cartoonist from, from New York. Oh, wow. Is, is, is contributing to it with her work. Fantastic. And, and she's... she's uh, Keen to get it going in in New York, the the parent publication, if you like, where it, where it started was in in the UK. It was out of London, wasn't it? Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm not sure it was London. Or I think it's in London, but yeah, I think that, it was. the light, the light, you, the light is on its thirty first edition. Uh, so that's well well advanced mm. to have. Uh, Quite a lot of people. We're getting a lot of inquiries for 
a thousand at a time. And we have volunteers here that are that have ten thousand in the living room, and they're packing up these newspapers five hundred at a time into banana cartons. They're just the right size. Yeah, and they're going off at very reasonable rates on transport. So. I, I've forgotten what the current price is, but it's been coming down as the print run has been going up. So people, people at, at a, say a dozen people at a stand in the park in in East Widgee Milther can say, right, let's get uh, let's get five hundred of these, and we, in fact, let's get a thousand of them, whatever, and they chuck in a tenner each, and they and it's there. In a very short time, and then they've got a, a hundred each to go around and distribute amongst local. They're often right. distributed amongst people like uh, shopping centres and, and uh, small businesses. A lot of a lot of small businesses are sympathetic, of course, because small small businesses have been the victims of this yep. of this COVID project. They've been put out of business, and uh, coffee 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 shops, dentist surgery, hairdressers. Places where people are sitting down in a waiting room and uh, and there's papers are sitting in there and they, it's 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 a it's a really fascinating grassroots and it's just such a great way for people who have been sitting there either maybe just attending the protests or not doing anything at all wondering how they can get involved exactly and really feeling maybe a little bit guilty for not participating and that's okay don't get yourself down yeah. about it but. This is a brilliant way for you to um, join in uh, the process and participate in something that's very worthwhile. A lot of people are carrying some around routinely, carrying a few copies in the, in their bags, and get into a discussion with someone who's, yeah. who's open to persuasion and say, "Look, here you are. Read this." And, of course, we just mentioned, well, a little earlier, I mentioned my friend Dara who has the two Rottweilers that you yeah, spoke about. Yeah. Uh, he's just done a trip up to Exmouth and taken 70 copies with him. Yeah. It was all we could – he, he realised just maybe two days before he was leaving that that's what he wanted to do. So, thankfully – Are the dogs in the back of his ute? Yep. They are. They go everywhere with him. Oh, I, um, I mean, they're – Amazing protectors as well, which uh, when you're traveling around on your own out in the country, they want to argue with two Rottweilers. They don't. No. Um, I've seen I've seen them in action. That's yeah. pretty uh, fascinating. Yeah. Most be- the be- most beautiful two dogs, but yeah. oh my god, you don't want to cross them. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, thankfully uh, for my for me, uh, when Dara phoned me, um, I have two real great advocates of the of the light newspaper living only a minute and a half's walk from my house. Um, we'll talk about that later, but I quickly called them and one of them had a, a bundle of 50 yeah. and the other one had about, I think, 25. So it was 20 or 25. So within just a short walk and, you know, 15 minutes, mm. I was able to get 70-odd, packaged up for this guy to take away with him. And that's the sort of thing that it really um, takes, isn't it? Um, so if there are people out there that are planning a trip mm. to go somewhere, please get on to the Light Australia. It's just the lightaustralia.com.au. Yeah, yeah. And, again, I'll put the link in the description mm. below. Um, 
and uh, grab a copy or grab a bundle of, of these things and take them on the trip with you and hand them out. That's what, what's going to really make it. Mm-hmm. So, Jerry, in closing, what's um, the – are there any future or immediate plans um, for the for this project that you want to discuss or have we covered it all? I'd just like to close by thanking you Thank and you, you. you collectively, the new media, you guys who by your own admission you have no training. None at all. In, in the media, but look what you've done. Well, you, you know who we should be thanking? We should be thanking um, our illustrious Premier, Mr Mark McGowan, because, and, and others in the government because they activated me. I was always sitting there ready to be activated, but um, when they um, forced me to lose my drop, my job, and indeed um, when they 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 they, they uh, what's the right word for it? Uh, I was. Uh, I'm trying to put the right. I, I was not physically tortured. I was emotionally tortured, mm. and that. And that is exactly in a, in technical terms. That's what was done to me. Um, when you, if if anyone wants to sort of uh, look this up, it's very very easy to look it up. Go and just look up um, humanitarian treaties, um, Australian government, and do a bit of reading. And you'll find out. But when you're threatened with um, economic loss, um, f- uh, um, if you don't undertake um, this medi- I'm trying to think of the right ways of, way of putting it, but we were threatened with losing our jobs if we didn't do what we were told to do. That is, in technical terms, emotional torture. And I lost my job. Uh, and uh, after being a little depressed about it, openly, I'm happy to admit that I was a little bit depressed about it, but um, I got up after a couple of days of lying in the lounge and I thought, no, I'm not taking this. And um, I was, it then turned to anger and I was so angry about it um, in very um, reasonable and stable terms, but I was so angry about it that um, I already, I was really into photography, so I already had a camera. Uh, I went and bought a microphone and um, all fears of going out on the street and doing interviews with people were just lost. And it's funny, you know, um, I've told this story before. Uh, I never, if you'd said to me even just six months before this all happened, even during the lockdown, that I would be doing that in the future, I would have told you you were crazy. But uh, it's just the way that I reacted. Um, I can't explain it. It just felt like, the right thing to do. And, um, you know, other people just went along with the protests. Other people um, uh, do things like um, the umbrella people do at the government house. Or, yeah, government house. Um, other people um, get together and hold signs up on highways and do mm. all sorts of things. Mm. Everyone found their own way of dealing with it. Um, so I don't, I would never say that what I've done is really special. It's just um, a consequence of the way I happen to react to it. And um, 
I certainly never would have dreamed, even when I started making the videos at the protests, that I'd be here um, on a microphone talking to people like you or some of the people I've spoken to, quite um, interesting people and in some cases very famous in, in their own right. Um, and there's quite a few of those coming up in the future, actually. Mm. Uh, but um, I, there's no other way I can explain it. So thank you, Mr. Mark McGowan. You activated me and I'm, I'm really happy that you did. Um, so, Jerry, with that, um, I think we should close the show. Uh, thank you so much for being with me. I really, really appreciate it. Um, and I must take the opportunity to thank uh, all of the people who have supported me financially uh, in the past leading up to now. I do have a few patrons um, I'm so blessed to have that and I don't speak about those people often enough and uh, uh, this uh, comeback that I'm making after having a few months uh, away from it all um, is certainly, I, I'm certainly going to be concentrating on recognising those people a lot more. Uh, I'd like everyone to know that um, if you do think about becoming a patron, I'd be truly grateful for just $1 a month. I think for some reason, um, you know, the endeavours that we're undertaking, Jerry, uh, should not really be about us making money. We just need to survive. Mm. Um, And, you know, I feel like if I had a couple of thousand people giving me a dollar a month, that'd be amazing. Um, But really not recognisable to them. It's not like a financial, I mean, everyone loses a buck down the drain at least once a year kind of thing. So um, I'd be really comfortable and extremely blessed to receive $1 a month off people and and there are some people doing that. There are others that are giving more. Um, I'm just really, really grateful for anything. Um, It it really, really helps. But um, I'm certainly going to spend a lot more time refining what I'm doing. I'm actually going back to work, everybody. Uh, Something that I never wanted to do. It's a bittersweet thing for me um, to be going back to work. All I really want to do is uh, participate in the movement. And there's a lot of work going on with that in the background, something I'll be speaking about in the future. Um, So a very, very big thank you to everyone from me, from my heart. I really appreciate that. Um, There's much more to come. I haven't gone away. I'm not going to go away. I really enjoy doing this, Jerry. I really do. And I'm really looking forward to this course that you're going to conduct. Uh, I I really need to learn so much more. Uh, I get a lot of criticism for my editing skills. Um, I don't do show planning enough. I don't, I'm not well organised. Um, it's more a case of just not knowing what to do. Uh, so I don't know how else to put that, but I'm doing my very best. You're doing well. Uh, and I'm, um, and again, I really, really enjoy it. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on the 8 News Show. Um, I can't thank you enough once again. And until the next episode, bye for now. <laughs>